chapter six of which deals with how we have to treat things that mundane things, physical things that represent and have the name of God in them. Halacha Aleph. כל המאבד שם מן השמות הקדושים הטהורים שנקרא בהן הקדוש ברוך הוא, לוקה מן התורה, שהרי הוא אומר בעבודה זרה ואיבדתם את שמם, לא תעשו כן לאדוני אלוהיכם. Uh, whoever destroys, mutilates in some way uh, any of the names by which God was called, any of the names that were reserved to God, he receives Malkut. This is one of the felonies for which one gets Malkut in the Torah. Because for Avodah Zarah it says that we have, for idolatry, for alien worship, we have an actual mandate to go out and destroy things that represent them. When we, when we arrived to Israel, we had a mandate to go around and destroy all the idol worshippers' uh, places of worship. And the same Pasuk says, you shall not do this to God, your own Lord. So from that last bit, we learn that we may not um, defile, des destroy, mutilate things that represent and that have the name of God in them. It's not all the names. The Shiva Shemot Hen, there are seven names that were set apart to represent God, and destroying them would qualify for this felony. Hashem Hanichtav. The, what we call the explicit name, Hashem HaMeforash, and it's the one that's spelled Yod, He, Vav, He. Or the one that is spelled Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yod. Ve'el, another word is Aleph, Lamed, El. Ve'eloah, Ve'elohim, Ve'eheyeh. He is the name of God told Moshe Rabbeinu when Moshe asked, what name should I tell the Jewish people that sent me? So these seven names, erasing, mutilating, even one letter from any of these seven names qualifies for Malkut. Now we are going to talk about prefixes and suffixes. So in Hebrew, suffixes and prefixes are normally, they come to function as a totally separate word. So if I say, if I say uh, Ha Elohim, the He of Ha Elohim is the article with, which we could translate to the English T-H-E, the. So Kol Hanitpal Lefanav, every letter that comes as in a, is appended to the name of God before it, like the example I just gave, mutar that's permissible to erase. This is relevant, of course, if you're fixing a Sefer Torah or any other book, what can you or what can you not erase? Kigon lamed like these two words, the lamed and the vet of the two words we just read, this lamed here and this bed here, one may erase them. They are not, by coming before the name, they do not become part of the name. V 
וכל הנטפל להשם מאחוריו, but if we have a suffix, כגון כף של אלוהיך, like for example the כף of אלוהיך, which really comes to say אלוהים שלך, the כף here comes to say your God, <coughs> but it modified the actual word אלוהיך, as you see it took out the mem, and replaced the mem, became a כף, וכף מם של אלוהיכם, or the כף מם of this word אלוהיכם, again, come to replace the mem of אלוהים, וכיוצא בהם אינם נמחקים. This is part of the name and cannot be erased. And they get the holiness, the status of the name that they are modifying. And although they are sanctified, it's forbidden to erase them. The status of these two letters, although forbidden to erase them, is not as strict as the beginning of the name, in which if you erase one letter, you get Malkut. The last two letters, you get a, what's called a discretionary punishment, it's Makat Mardut. The court can decide uh, what, how many lashes to give you for, uh, for things under, that, that under the Torah, you would not be getting any lashes. That's called Makat Mardut. Makat Mardut, let me just say, normally means that the act itself that was proscribed, it was proscribed by Hachamim, not by the Torah. Whenever you see Makat Mardut, immediately, automatically, you should, your first instinct should be the Rabbanan. Dalit. Katav Alef Lamed Me'elohim Yod He Me'hashem Enonim Hak Let's say you didn't finish writing them, and you started writing Aleph, Lamed, you were going to write Vav, He, Yod, Mem, but you stopped there. Or you started Yod, He, you were going to write, write Vav, He, and you stopped there. What happens is, the word Aleph, Lamed, or the word Yod, He, in and of themselves, they also are names. Although it wasn't the full name you intended when you started writing, you wrote enough that it created another name, and one may not erase them. Ben Tzalich Lomar, Yah, Shoshem Bifne Atzmo. And obviously, not uh, if you intended to write Yod He as a name by itself, although it's not a full four letters, Yod and He is a name in and of itself. Because it's meant as a name that signifies partially the expressed, the explicit name, Yod He Vav He. But if someone writes, Shin Dalet of the, the name Shaddai, which is one of the seven names, or Sadibet Misebaot. Uh, what happens here is although this this means something, Shed is a word and Sav is a word, it's not a word that signifies God, as opposed to Aleph Lamed, which is El, signifies God, and Yod He, which it can be read as Yah, which also is a short version of the Shaman Farash. So Sadibet and Shin Dalet, one may erase. All other attributes that we use to describe God, especially in the Tefillah, we say that he's Hanun, he's Rahum, he's Gadol, he's Gibor, he's Nora, he's Neeman, he's Kanna, he's Hazak, and so forth and so on. These are, these have the status of any other holy writings that are not 
the name of God proper, and it's permissible to erase them. To erase them, yes, to treat them with lack of respect, no, as we are going to see soon. Vav, what happens if you have a piece of clothing or some kind of a, a thing, an instrument of some sort, a vessel, and the name of God was written on it? So what you have to do there is you have to cut the name of God, so the place where the name of God is written, you cut that entire portion where the name of God is written. Um, and and uh, this, uh, this piece with the name of God in it, you have to treat it as geniza, you have to, you have to uh, bury it or do any of the other things which we, may, which, which, which we can't do when something has a name of God. That's what we do nowadays with the Sefer Torah that is no longer good, for example, or the Tefillin. And similarly, if someone has, sorry, I'm sorry, I, I skipped a line. Even if the name was inscribed in something made of metal or of glass, and, and, and then I go ahead and, and uh, smelt, melt this, uh, I take this, uh, let's say, cast iron uh, cup that has the name of God in it, and I, I, may, I melt it, therefore destroying the name of God. This is the same as erasing, and I get malku. Rather, I have to cut the place from that cast iron thing uh, where the name of God is. That piece I have to bury or save it somewhere, save it from destruction, and then I can take the rest of the, of the metal and melt it and do whatever I want with it. Uh, now a more difficult case, if someone has the name of God written on his own skin, then it's, for, it's forbidden to wash that area, to put oil in that area, which is going to erase it, or to even go and stand next to a place that is uh, is a place of of tinofet, of, of uh, uncleanliness, like for example next to excrement. So what if the person must wash? For example, if he has to wash for ritual reasons, uh, he should wrap around that area of his skin. Um, gemi, gemi is a, it's what uh, they used to make papyrus from, it was very common, um, and they used to use it for a lot of things. So uh, it's, it has some of the qualities of rubber. You can tie that around the area where the name is written and go ahead and immerse, in, submerge in, in the water. This is going to protect the name from erasing. Gemi, and if he did not find Gemi, instead he can, he can uh, sorry, he should go and look around for this Gemi until he finds it. This is a, is a requirement. And when he ties it, he doesn't need to tie it, he should not tie it actually uh, too tightly 
because that's going to impede the tevilah, the ritual bathing, from being fulfilled. And the main reason for which they, Hachamim say one should put something around the name is not to prevent the water from touching it, but rather from preventing the name to be exposed to one's own nakedness. Not only the names of God, but also things that were sanctified for the Beit HaMikdash. If, uh, if someone destroys in a destructive way any stone from the Mizbeah or from the temple itself or the rest of the, of, of the area of where the Mizbeah is, uh, or, sorry, or for the rest of the area of the Beit HaMikdash, not where the Mizbeah is, Azara is, the Mizbeah is not, as we started before, the Pasuk that describes what we should do to Avodah Zarah, it says uh, you should erase their name, you should destroy their temples, and then at the very end it says you should never do this to God. So uh, we learn that every, any of the things or each of the things that we should do to Avodah Zarah, including destroying them, we may not do uh, to, to things that, that uh, signify God, like the Beit HaMikdash and the Mizbeach. וכן הצורף עשי הקודש דרך השפטה לוקש, נאמר ואשריהם תצרכון באש, לא תעשון כן להשם אלוהיכם. And also, not only whoever destroys part of the temple, but even if someone uh, takes a sehekdesh, if he takes a wood that was uh, sanctified, put aside for the purpose of the Beit HaMikdash, they used to use a lot of wood in the Beit HaMikdash, they used to have a lot of burnings, uh, of uh, sacrifices and, and so forth. So if you take one of those woods and you burn it, not only do, do you do me'ayla, uh, which is to use something that belongs to God and to take it for your own purposes, but beyond that, you're also destroying something that belongs to the Beit HaMikdash and it's a violation of this commandment of Lot Asun Ken. Um, all of the holy writings, the writings that comprise the Tanakh, not only them, but also their interpretation and also their elaboration, namely Torah It's forbidden to actively destroy them or burn them. If someone destroys them actively, they are liable of Makat Mardut. Again, it's not Makat Mardut, it's, it's something that is reserved for someone who violates what Hachamim warned against. What kind of holy writings are we talking about? We're talking about holy writings that were written with special care by a Jew. But if a heretic if someone uh, who is not, who, who wrote these things uh, and he's a heretic, let's say uh, a Christian Bible, if, someone, if something was written by someone who does not share the same Aikarim, the same axioms of Am Israel, so this is not a holy book because nothing that was written in there was meant uh, with the same meaning that would have been the case if a Jew had written it. When a Jew writes the word uh, yod he vav he the name of God, he means the God of Israel. When a Christian writes yod he vav he maybe he's meaning also the Trinity. We don't know. It doesn't matter. 
or he might he might mean someone who can die and can leave his son in this world, like the Christians believe. So if some if someone like that wrote the Sefer Torah, it could be the same exact shape, the same exact letters, beautiful calligraphy. None of that matters. We do burn this book with all of the of the names of God that are in it. Because the one who wrote it did not really believe in the holiness of the name of God. And for the person who wrote this book, who is not a, a Jew who subscribes to these basic beliefs, uh, this is one other book like any other book. And since the person, the writer, the scribe, has this mindset, the name never took on its holiness, the holiness we're describing in this chapter. And it's actually a good thing to burn a book like that. Obviously, if you own it, if you own a book like that, and then you find that the one who wrote it is a mean and he had other things in mind when he wrote the name of God, you should burn it and destroy it completely in order to not leave around things that can have the effect of promoting uh, the minim of the master and the heretics or the people who um, uh, and, and their actions. And by the way, we are talking here about minim, about not about goyim, not about non-Jews. We are talking about people who try to uh, misappropriate Judaism in their own ways. So Christianity is a classic example of that. It's not like they woke up one day and they said, let's make up our own religion, let's decide what the rules are going to be. But rather, the religion is one of displacement. They take Judaism, they take the Torah, and they, they misinterpret it however they want. They take our axioms and they misrepresent them however they want. And then they claim that they are the real one, we are the fake one. Uh, Islam does something similar. Uh, they also believe that we, but they don't displace it. They say that we were the ones who, who, who fabricated a lot of the things. In any event, when someone tries to corrupt Judaism in that way, not as a separate and, and, and different system, but as if it were to replace the system, uh, the halakha deals with this kind of attitude very severely uh, to the point that if we find the Sefer Torah, that was written by, let's say, Jews for Jesus, um, we should burn it. However, but if a Gentile wrote the name of God, we have no reason to think that they were meaning something other than the God of Israel. We should treat this name of God with respect. And so too, we do. If, uh, if anything, if any Kitvea Kodesh, if the actual Tanakh was written by a Goy, or Balu, or it's Shebalu, uh, it's uh, it was written by a Jew, but it's no longer usable. It's too old, and it, it, it's uh, it's already um, it's already unusable. Then we should do Geniza with it. Again, Geniza means to safeguard it from active destruction. The way we do this nowadays is to, to bury these things. The way they used to do it back in the day was to have special libraries in which they deposit all the books that are no longer used, all the names of God are no longer used, 
like the very famous library, the Geniza of, of Cahir, of Cairo, um, where people actually stored things. So it's meant to, to, to have things be stored there forever. We do this underground nowadays, we're storing it, we are not letting anyone come and destroy it because it's a few feet under the surface and no one can uh, reach it very easily. Now, very interesting halachot. Uh, they are very interesting because they, I think that these halachot help you understand these passages in the Tanakh. And uh, whenever I come to any of these passages, I come back to these halachot to see what the meaning is. These halachot are going to indicate to us where in the Torah, where it says the word uh, Adonai, for example, we are meaning the name of God. And where are we meaning, like what the word actually means? Adon means sir. Adonai means my sirs, my, my, my lords, my owners, my uh, dominos, uh, as, as you would say in, in Greek, or in Latin, sorry. Um, so wh when, when are we meaning the name of God? When are we not in the Torah? Kol Hashemot Hamurot Abraham Kodesh, Adonai in All the names of these seven names that you'll find in the stories relating to Abraham Avinu, they are Kodesh. They all mean to signify the name of God and have to be treated in the Torah as the name of God. Even the one that says, Adonai in Namasatihendarnecha, when the three guests come to Abraham and he gets up and goes to greet them and he says, Adonai, which you could translate really contextually as, my sirs, please, if I've found grace in your eyes, do not pass by and, and stay a little bit. I'm going to, to present you with some food and, and, and host you. Even that, which under uh, some, a possible reading would not mean God, Hachamim decided, the conclusion was that it does mean God and Abraham is referring to God. When he says Adonai, he's referring to God himself. Arehu Kodesh. Kol HaShemot HaMurot Belot Hol. On the other hand, in the story of Lot, also in Parashat, uh, in Parashat Vayera, um, all the names that are said with respect to him are hol, are actually not holy, uh, as if to say that Lot's prophet, that the, what Lot saw was not, what did not signify God as what Abraham saw. But there is one exception, Alna Adonai. When uh, when he refers, when he looks up to, to these angels and says to them, um, please let me go to this other city. So he says, Alna Adonai, uh, please do not Adonai, which could again be interpreted as sirs, but Chachamim understood this to mean that he's talking to God himself. Um, all the names that are said with respect to the story of Giv'at Binyamin, it's, uh, <coughs> it's uh, in, in the book of Shofetim, in a, in a very tragic story of what happened with the tribe of Binyamin. The tribe of Binyamin did something terrible, then there was a civil war, etc. So all the names there are Kodesh. Kol HaShemot HaMurot B'Micha Hol, in the, the book of Micha, uh, sorry, in the, in the story of Micha, also in Shofetim, all the names in that story are Hol. Kol HaShemot HaMurot Benavot Kodesh. In all the names that are mentioned with respect 
to Navot in the book of Melachim are Kodesh. Kol Shelomo ha'amur b'shir ha'shirim Kodesh, whenever we say the word Shelomo in, in Shir ha'shirim is Kodesh, we are meaning actually, it's a metaphor for God, and it means the name of God, like Shir ha'shirim asher lishlomo, you may not erase that word uh, Shelomo. By the way, when we say, um, when we say Kodesh, um, actually, I don't know. Does this mean, I'm going to leave this as an open question. I'm not sure if this means that the whole book becomes Kitvea Kodesh, and therefore we have to treat it like we treat the Kinuim, or if it means that the word Shilomo actually becomes like one of the seven names that may not be erased, and if someone erases it, um, it he's liable for Makat Malkut. I do not know. I'm going to leave this question open. Um, I'm sorry, the question is just answered. Uh, all the sh every Shalomo that is mentioned Shia Shirim is Kodesh, but it's treated like the Kinoim, it's treated like the the names that are not the seven names, like when you when you use the word Hanun, Rahum, etc. other than this one, Ha'elef Lecha Shalomo, Umatayim Nadrim et the Pasuk that says uh, that uh, uh, a thousand are dedicated, set apart for Shalomo. This is actually referring to Shalomo himself, and therefore it's not Kodesh. Kol Malchaya Ha'amur Daniel. every word Malchaya, the king in Aramaic, that is said in the book of Daniel, Hol, other than this one, Ant Malka Melech Malchaya. You are the king, the king of all kings. So uh, this obviously does refer to God. And this uh, is to be treated like the rest of the Kinuim, like the word Shalomon. With this, we finish chapter 6. I wish all of you Hak Samyach.